This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Doc Thompson along with Skip LaCombe and Hillary Kennedy joining us today on the Pat and Stu program. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate you having you yeah, in the studio today. Yeah, excited to be here. I love hanging out with you guys. We'll That'd see if you say that after a couple of hours with <laughs> yeah. us. That's, uh, so far, we've fooled her, Skip. This is great. <laughs> All right, so obviously the big story the last 24 hours or so is the Hillary Clinton email scandal, and there's just no getting away from that. A lot of different moving pieces to it today, too. Skip and I were having fun with it on Twitter, and you can you can keep using that if you want. Um, uh, what was it again? More trusted than Hillary. And and there's a whole lot of things that are more trusted than Hillary, according to me. Yeah, it's been one of the top trends since uh, this morning when we started it off, so that's really nice and exciting. But I want to ask you guys about um, a story that uh, TheBlaze.com has, and it's Ted Cruz commenting on this scandal. And Ted was pretty, pretty critical of the FBI in this thing. Do you think his comments were unjustified or he was wrong? Let me, let me share some of them. He said that the Justice Department has become politicized under President Obama. He said he hopes that a similar politi- uh, politicization has not similarly corrupted the Federal Bureau of Investigation as a, as a, as a whole. He said, while I have tremendous respect for the dedicated men and women of the FBI, I have serious concerns about the integrity of Director Comey's decision and how it threatens the rule of law. Do you think that's inaccurate, uh, a mischaracterization, too strong? No, I don't think that's too strong. I think that's perfectly fair. The fact that Hillary Clinton, that the FBI has said, yes, she did wrong, there were mistakes made, she broke the law, but we don't think we should charge her. I mean, absolutely that threatens the rule of law. I mean, that's the definition of it. What do you think, Hillary? Well, I'm just happy that Ted Cruz is still alive. Nobody's known where that guy has been since he dropped out of the race. Yeah. That's uh, a good point. He's been kind of he's MIA. Been completely MIA. So I was happy to see that he's still with us. Yeah, that's um, good. <laughs> but I, I totally agree with Skip. I, I think that he's right on the mark with this. I mean, he wasn't over the top. He wasn't. I mean, I came out breathing more fire than he did. But if you're talking. <laughs> serious about this case, and and again, anyone that's really being honest, even if you're a progressive, you're on the left, you're a Democrat, would have to say, yes, this is is troubling, this is something you should question. Would any progressive out there, any Democrat out there, stand for this if it was George W. Bush, if it was any other Republican president, they they would say and question the same things. And by the way, that's who you know you can trust in this whole thing. When, when, if you see a Democrat coming out going, you know what, guys, this is this is troubling and disturbing, that's somebody that you could probably trust. And the same thing when a Republican gets right. in trouble. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only reason Hillary Clinton is not being charged is because she's Hillary Clinton, because of her time at the State Department, because of her power, because she's the presumptive Democrat nominee right now. If this had been any other average Joe Schmo out there, they'd be charged. In fact, we have cases very similar to this of people who mishandling confidential um, information who, who were charged. People got probation, fines. You know what I thought was interesting is a lot of people have a conspiracy theory that Hillary's camp actually released the information about how she mishandled the emails so that she would sort of seem like an underdog and someone who was being beaten up by the press and pursued interesting. by having made this mistake because she knew that she would never be held accountable. Interesting. You know what? And I'm not watch on conspiracy theories, but let's think if that's possible. That would be very counterintuitive that you'd put something out. The only way that works in my mind is if there's something greater out there, because then it's a look at this hand so you don't see what this one was doing. Now, that Absolutely. would make sense. I mean, when she was facing Benghazi and a bunch of other questions as well. Absolutely. Well, I think initially that's what people were thinking is they put this out there to detract from the whole Benghazi thing. But I mean, you never know. The Clintons are a very shrewd family. Amazing. They have amazing political tactics and strategies. So I wouldn't put it past her that maybe she was capable of doing something like that. Have you heard anything about Blackwater? I mean, right. It's not just that mm -hmm. that's been vetted for 25, 30, whatever years. Right. It's that there's other scandals we can move on to. And that has that's maybe you never know. That actually makes a lot of sense, though. It wouldn't be the first time even in, in recent memory that government had floated a story out there to get ahead of it. Same thing happened with Lois Lerner. That all broke. Lois Lerner uh, had a, a question stage posed in one of her press events about this. Nobody heard anything about targeting of, of, of conservative uh, um, uh, political groups or anything. This was floated out by her because they wanted to get in front of the story. Yeah. They wanted to control it. They knew if it had come out a different way, they would lose if, if we all questioned it first and said, what about this and the information? Mm -hmm. And the ironic thing is Skip and I had questioned it before that. We had, we had gone to a Tea Party group after Tea Party group, a couple of people saying, hey, there's something going on here. One of the guys, we call him Question 26, because he was a question on one of these forms that Tea Partiers had to fill out out of nowhere. They didn't even know, someone didn't even know who he was, but he had gone to a party and they're like, do you know Justin Binnick Thomas? They were, yeah, it was, it was, what it was, is your relationship? What, if any, is your connection to Justin Binnick Thomas? And it was who question was 26. a regular guy. Wow. Well, that's so, why we should always question. I mean, you have to question everything. You have to look at it from every angle. But I think the bottom line is we know that she's capable of some things that are far beyond what we think anybody would be willing to to throw them yourself under the bus. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's pretty extreme in order to be president. But I think she's willing to do anything. So look at where we're at now, too. I mean, for years we've been saying how awful things are and what the you know the future holds and how bad things have gotten. But really pull back for a moment and think about where we are. On one hand, you have Hillary, which is pretty traditional, old school politician. You can't trust them. They lie. They'll do anything to get elected. I mean, this is who they are, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, in fact, their husband was president 20 whatever years ago. So this is old school. Then you have Donald Trump, which is kind of the new school politician, even though he's 70 whatever years old. And it's all cult of personality. Mm -hmm. But your choices, neither one of them are based on substance. Neither one of them are based on... Here's what I know. Here's what I'm looking for. A track record, a consistency of doing right. None of them. Neither one. Mm -hmm. That's that's horrible. Skip and I talked to um, Clay Higgins today. He is a um, he, he was a captain with the St. Landry Parish. St. Landry Parish. Yeah, yeah. parish Louisiana. in Louisiana. And he used to do those uh, fun videos 
um, where it, fun. He worked for was it actually Crime Stoppers? Uh, I, I believe they were just Crime Stopper videos that that, that they were. Okay. Yeah, he he had an affiliation with them. So you've probably seen some of them. We've aired some of them at different places or whatever. And when we interviewed him because he's running for Congress now. We're like, this is this is the guy. And what he was saying was not revolutionary. It's something that we should all believe anyways about doing the right thing. And his reason for running and even being a cop was for honor and faith and love of fellow man. And it's, oh, oh that's so refreshing. <laughs> and it's rare. Shouldn't that be the norm? Shouldn't we be looking at Hillary going, wow, that's just crazy. <laughs> we, we totally should be. I, I think that... I think people are so distrustful of even their neighbor in a lot of cases that, I mean, we just are so used to having the wool pulled over our eyes that it's hard to imagine people wanting to do things uh, no, I mean, for the you, right reasons. You question everything. Now. Right. You're going to have to take everything with a grain of salt and, mm-hmm. and put it through the filter of, of, of how we know things are currently operating. And mm-hmm. they're wrong. And so, yeah, it is really refreshing when somebody comes out and says simple things, talking about the importance of the Constitution and taking an oath and, uh, d- like you said, doing the right thing. That should be automatic, but it's not. Our buddy Dan Bongino is running for, uh, I think it's the 18th. I always get it. was 18th or 19th. Screwed it up. Um, congressional district in Florida. And a lot of people know Dan Bongino. Great guy. Former Secret Service agent, whatever. He has an ad out. It's about 30 seconds. And it shows him driving, and he's talking about being a you know, Secret Service agent and all of this. And, he, and he, he has the glasses, and they show him driving like a Secret Service agent. And then the, the ad, he gets out, and he opens the door, and it's his daughter that steps out. So the point is, this is my concern now, and I'm mm-hmm. treating her every much even more so than I would, you know, treat the president. This is this is what we got to talk about. This is the attitude. This is what we need, and unfortunately, that's that's not it right now. I always love to hear my grandfather talk about the stories when he was growing up that you could do a business deal on just a handshake. That somebody's word, you know, they all you could trust was their word. I mean, if they if they didn't hold up their word, then that told you everything you need to know about their character. Whereas now. It's so rare yeah. that you could take someone at their word. I mean, you could never do a business deal on a handshake anymore. Oh, no. in, in fact, on a contract deal, it's disputed. So right. we, we have a written contract, legal in court, and I'm going, right. nah, I don't have to do that. I know I signed this. Here I am on video signing it. It's been notarized, the whole thing. Nah, yeah. can't do it. Sorry, i got to find a and way to weasel out. And people actually are able to be successful with that and slide <laughs> and get out of things. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good point about uh, uh, our word not being nearly what it used well, to be. Yeah, it's sad and, and a really a relatively short amount of time that we've gone from doing handshake deals and helping your neighbor and always putting them first to not being able to trust anybody, no matter how nice or how normal they might seem. Okay, so some of the rumors right now is the, the top two people that are um, likely going to be, and again, these are just rumors, Trump's running mate that he will pick is either Newt Gingrich or Joni Ernst. Mm-hmm. Now, I could make an argument of why he would pick either one of those. Neither one of them would, would make me vote for Trump. I can't imagine anybody being his running mate. I mean, if he was the second, I'd be like, well, maybe reluctantly or something like this. But, but regardless, um, which one of them makes most sense to you? I mean, obviously, Gingrich, insider, he's going to win over a lot of political insiders in the GOP. But Joni Ernst, you got the, the female with Hillary. So that's, I mean, that's my thought. What I think, do you think? I, I think Joni Ernst would make the most sense for him just because of the female card thing. I think since that's been the, the huge narrative out of Hillary Clinton, that's all she's talking about is the fact that she's a woman, going to be the first woman. Uh, but don't you still lose something? I mean, you're still the like uh, the, the Johnny-come-lately or the, the second if you're like, okay, uh, yeah, we're, we support women, too. That's the reason she's the second on our ticket. Don't you lose a little something if you're the Republicans going, 
We're, we're willing to have a woman president if the president gets shot. Well, you I see what I mean? I mean, right? Well, I, I, I think just the power of that and, I mean, the, the role of uh, um, uh, vice president. Actually to be an attaining, attack dog. Yeah, and actually, okay. actually attaining that, I, I think it's a big enough deal that it wouldn't be as, as like an also-ran. What do you think? Well, I, I do think that she would be a smart decision. I like her. Mm -hmm. um, I usually don't like to think that I get pulled in by political ads, but she had some great ones when she was running. <laughs> and it made her very likable mm -hmm. and personable. She seemed like just the nice mom next door who was a pig farmer and came from, you know, yeah. a, a, the heartland. And I really like Joni. So I, I can see why she would be a great choice. She's one of the few that, uh, uh, since getting elected, I have not followed her career. I mean, there's just so many to follow out there, and some we've done more closely. And right. I, I don't know of her track record. Um, I remember there being something we discussed since she got elected that, I, that was a fail for me. Yeah, not I'm not a deal killer, but something that I had questioned. Um, so I just I don't have an, enough to say. Yeah, that's the person right. or whatever. Um, and I remember those ads. You're right. She seemed very likable, just an average yeah, person. Yeah, they yeah. were kind of funny. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, all I remember is that she did some pig farming, and I liked it. <laughs> um, do you, do you think that? I mean, they're they're trying so much to play the identity politics of this, and they're always going to do that, especially with Hillary Clinton. She thinks she's going to woo the women. Is that going to matter now? I wonder if we haven't moved beyond some of that even. Remember, this is always going, you know, they're always ratcheting it up, ratcheting it up. The only way that those things seem to matter, and all issues and everything are out the window unless you're playing identity politics now, unless you can claim the victim based on race, religion, gender, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think it's even kind of moved beyond that unless you show a fail, it doesn't win you points. Like maybe in the past you could go, hey, I'm a whatever, therefore vote for me. I think the only way that works now is if you say that person stands against me. You see what I'm saying? That, that it only benefits Hillary to a notable degree as if she is perceived as being kept down because of being a woman. Oh, for sure. I, I definitely think that whether you're male or female, if you are perceived as the underdog or someone's been beating up on you, mm -hmm. that garners so much sympathy for you. And I think that's worked in people Donald Trump's favor, too, all mm -hmm. the way through this whole process, because people have seen how hated he is by so many people. And that's garnered a lot of sympathy. Yeah, I'm just wondering. I'm wondering how much power that's going to to have as we get into the general. Honestly, election. I, think, I think a lot more than it should. Well, that's, I mean, I mean, if it has one person, it's more than it should to me. But yeah, yeah I mean, obviously, I mean, things. We, uh, a more important thing should be substance and what these people actually want to do. But no, that is uh, that's not the narrative. I mean, it's the same way that Hillary Clinton. It's the same way that Donald Trump has done so well too. Mm -hmm. it's, in, it's not talking about uh, uh, the issues and what's going on. It's this personality politics. So you have you always have the the people, one camp or the other, that are already locked in. Doesn't matter who you are, what you are. They're going to. We know that. Um, the, the women that are conservative and libertarian, there's no way in hell they're voting for Hillary. The women that are on their side, of course they're going to vote for her, something like this. I mean, even within the Democrat Party, you had the people that were women going, well, I'm going to vote for a woman because she's a woman. You mm -hmm. have that. So it's always always comes down to those people in the middle, whatever that percentage or number of people in the middle that's not automatically in a camp is at any given time. I could see some people out there saying, well, yeah, I think it's time for a woman. You do get the, it's time for a woman. It's the, well, I'm a woman, and I think, yeah, you get some of that. I just don't see why that matters. No, it, it shouldn't, and it doesn't. But I've admitted lots of us have a political vote in our past that is bad, especially mm -hmm. when we're younger. One fail. I'll give you a fail or two. I have one in mine. <laughs> It was her husband, Bill, first time. All right. Yeah, I just, I absolutely was done. And I didn't even know fully why. I look back now and I know why I was done with George H.W. Bush. And I didn't look into, at the time, what Bill Clinton stood for. I just know he said a lot of nice things on the campaign trail. And it came down to some of those things he said that 
oh, well, that seems like, yeah, that's good, and I'm young and ideological mm-hmm. and whatever. But I didn't track it to see what he was going to do and whatever. But and, was it more of a vote against Bush or a vote <clears throat> for Clinton? It was, it was both. It was a vote against George H.W. Bush. But this guy said some nice things. He seems like a good old guy. You well, know. at the time, didn't, wasn't he kind of the first one to be the... The relatable cool guy, like playing he the was. saxophone on late night, and that uh, wasn't so much about smoking weed on him. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. yeah and that one wasn't so much about me. It really, um, I remember him talking about, um, you know, um, actually, and this is paraphrasing, but being kind, treating people well, and a respect for all people based on race, religion, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not lip service to me. A lot of, of course, people on the left use the identity politics. I really believe in these things. So when he said, "My cabinet will be." You know, diverse, but not that, you know, phrase. That's my phrase. I was like, wow, this seems like a guy who gets it, you know. I didn't realize he was just playing identity politics, you know. It turns out it's not all that diverse. It's like Obama. He's in it for women, yet women get paid less in his administration than the men. Same thing with Hillary Clinton. And the same thing with Hillary Clinton, too. Less of them. Now, she said that um, her cabinet will be at least 50% women. I think that's the quote, at least Anyways, 50%. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're does, right. does she end up appointing 50% women? I don't think so. I don't think she ends up doing it. And no one will ever call her on it. I, I mean, I agree. I think it would be highly unlikely. I would just want to make sure if she was going to do that, they were 50 qualified women oh, that, and not yeah. just 50 women. I can guarantee your cabinet's not going to be qualified. Not by my standards. <laughs> that's, that's not going to happen. Um, and then will she pay him the same amount, right? I mean... I, I don't see her appointing 50 women. I don't think that's going to happen. And, and again, nobody will hold her accountable because they haven't hold, held Obama accountable on the same thing, mm-hmm. on the same topic. Yeah. All right, we're going to get a break in. We'll come back with more. If you want to join us on Twitter, it's at Doc Thompson Show, at Skip Lacombe, or at... Hillary Kennedy. Hillary with one L. Hillary with one L. <laughs> Kennedy. Back with more on Pat and Stupid. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, so after uh, FBI Director uh, Comey gave his little speech and said how awful Hillary is and all the ways she failed, but yet they're not charging her, a bunch of people edited versions of what he said and things that Hillary has said over the years and kind of put them together as a mashup. Hil- uh, I think Donald Trump yeah, this had... this from Trump's campaign. Yeah, this is a different one from Trump. Um, I like some of the other ones better in other ways, but this makes it one really solid point. We're going to play what uh, Donald Trump tweeted out from his campaign. I did not send or receive any information that was marked classified at the time. From the group of 30,000 emails returned to the State Department in 2014, 110 emails in 52 email chains have been determined by the owning agency to contain classified information at the time they were sent or received. At the time. At the time they were sent 
or received. Any information that was marked classified. To contain classified information. I did not send or receive any information that was marked classified at the time. Eight of those chains contained information that was top secret at the time they were sent. Any information that was marked classified. Thirty-six of those chains contained secret information at the time. I did not send or receive any information that was marked classified at the time. And eight contained confidential information at the time. At the time. That one. In its own way, it did something that the other ones, and we even played some on our show, some of the Glenn Beck program today, it showed that Hillary was lying. Clearly. See, right. Mm-hmm. We have not, we haven't even really talked about that angle with this. We've talked about how she violated the law, all of these different things. Hillary lied over and over again. That's only from one interview. She testified before Congress. She lied over and over again. I think that ad does that. No, absolutely, too. Well, and and Hillary's handling this whole thing has been uh, troubling, too, even from when reporters were asking her about wiping the server. And she says, oh, you mean like with (laughs) With a cloth? I mean, her her attitude (laughs) with it has just been so flippant. And yeah, clearly lying. I mean, her husband was uh, uh, impeached for lying. I mean, you would think that she would have uh, be a little more careful with something like that. Obviously, she's trying to to deflect and not have this be a bigger issue. But you can't be that clear in your lies. What I love is the Hillary supporter saying, well, she's from a certain generation and they're not that great with technology. But I've seen her taking some pretty (laughs) wicked selfies with the Kardashians. (laughs) She knows how to do that, okay? That's right, exactly. (laughs) But I mean, even that fails, though, when you say that about different generation of technology and the whole thing. Because, okay, she had her server, but she didn't understand it. And then Comey comes out and says, uh, and some of the other clips have showed this as well, where she said, well, I just thought it would be simpler to have one device, yet she had multiple devices. So even her, her suggestion, part of her excuse was, well, I just wanted it simple because, you know, that generational thing, whatever. But she had multiple devices. Well, and how is getting your own server set up, all the maintenance that would have to be required for that, <laughs> IT people, how is that simpler than just do, going with the, the, right. the foundation of the State Department being like, oh, let me talk to the, let me make a quick phone call and get whatever I need taken care of um, internally with the government. That's not more simple. Well, I can't imagine, because she claimed, too, that this was for the Clinton, her husband's um, office. Was mm-hmm. it the foundation or her husband's office? Either way, they had set this up for her husband, Bill Clinton. Um, how is it you go, okay, I'm Secretary of State, and I got all my you know, government phone and email and all this stuff. Wait a minute. I think I'm going to go through my husband's server. Why does that ever even cross your mind? Right. That, that's not something anybody would say. In fact, it's more work to go and do that. For what purpose would you ever say that? To make it simpler? We know that's not true. She had multiple devices, and you had to go through this. So what reason? Can you imagine your, your, your business, a friend's business, anybody, a spouse's business, where you go, wait a minute, I just got this great government job, and I got this device. Let me route it through there. Well, so I think almost... All of us have worked at a job where they had a specific email address. You had to use company computers. You weren't allowed to use your own laptop. I mean, and those are jobs that I'm not handling classified information. And you have to play by the rules because that's where you work. And I don't understand how it got this far where she was using something that wasn't. Let's say in that scenario, you've had a job like that. Mm -hmm. You have an account like that. And you go, your boss says, hey, that's cool if you have your own server. Would you ever even... Would you go through the process of putting it over? You'd be like, why would I do that? Right. Okay, let's say your husband already has a server set up. Would you go, I think I'm going to go through his. 
For what reason? Right. It just complicates everything. The the only reason to do something like this, and I mean, help me out if there's anybody else out there. Right there. Think, Give it here. What is it? Is she's hiding something. Right. Wanting to hide something. You're, you're planning to be anonymous about something. Confidential. Mm-hmm. Not to the government. Confidential to your actions from the American people. Yes. That's it. That's the only thing. I mean, Hillary, if I'm wrong, you are welcome on this program. You're welcome on our morning radio program. And I will go out and campaign for you if you can convince me any reasonable explanation of why you would do this. I will go out and tell people, hey, Hillary is telling the truth about this. I will preach the gospel of you telling the truth. Challenge you to come on here, but you won't because you know you cannot defend it. Period. If she decides to tell the truth, I will finally be proud to share a name with her. Now, there, <laughs> one L. One L, one L with you. Yeah. You got the, the excuse there. So as part of the investigation and James Comey's report yesterday, he says this is not just on Hillary Clinton either. This is systemic at the State Department. And he really didn't distinguish between now and then because you've got the Hillary State Department, you've got the John Kerry State Department. They, um, some reporters ask, is it John Kirby? John Kirby, yeah. John Kirby, the spokesman at the State Department about this. Listen to this exchange between reporters and John Kirby being asked about what Comey said about the State Department. Clearly, um, the FBI found enough, um, you know, Secretary Clinton's intent or whatever notwithstanding, um, that generally that there were a lot of officials in the, that they came across in the scope of this investigation, which led them to believe that the culture is not taken as seriously as it could be. Well, I'll let the FBI director speak to the, the, their findings and recommendations in his investigation, as he should. The question was, do I share, do we share uh, the assessment of the culture at the, of the, at the institution of the State Department to be lax? And we do not share that assessment. So we take think, it very seriously. Here. Well, clearly he found it in this previous administration, so in the previous term. So you're saying that maybe that there was a lax culture that doesn't exist anymore? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all, at least. Um, uh, uh, I'm I'm not parsing words here. I'm saying that the State Department has in the past and and does today take the treatment of classified information very seriously. Um, So it was just bad apples? And when we have, pardon? So it was just a few people that Uh, did not take enough care? I'm I'm not going to speak to uh, any more specifically about the findings and recommendations that the FBI made and announced today. What I can tell you is uh, we don't share uh, the broad assessment uh, that there's a lax culture here at the State Department when it comes to dealing with classified information. Hillary, what does that mean? I mean, you're saying you'll let the report stand by its own. We just think he's wrong. So wrong then under Hillary, wrong now. Was it a few people? If they're wrong, tell us how it's wrong. We'll let it stand for itself, but they're wrong. What is that? What does that mean? That gave me a headache just listening to him try and explain <laughs> and follow what he was saying. <laughs> the the verbal acrobatics right. in it order to twist it. was just going in a circle. Yeah. Right. He's yeah. not parsing words, though. He's exactly parsing words. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's the definition, definition of it, right? right? That's what you're saying. <laughs> Whatever. I'm putting them together. I mean, that's... Is, is, is that just complete spin? That's what he's doing there, right? I mean, there's nothing, no way around that. It's just well, yeah, spin. absolutely. I mean, he's he's the uh, spokesperson for the State Department. Is, is there anybody more qualified to talk about the ruling yesterday from the FBI that uh, the former uh, Secretary of State will not be charged or recommendation, recommendations to not be charged? I can't think of very many people in D.C. who would be more qualified to speak and give their he's, opinion on He's that the top four. Obama, Hillary, John Kerry, or this guy. That's it. Those are your four. He's a spokesman for John Kerry, not just the State Department. The State Department's run by, by John Kerry. So he is, effectively speaking, for Kerry. Well, 
You, you can't comment on this? He seemed very nervous. I have a feeling he had to change his underwear. Oh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) He's really a dopey one, too. The State Department spokespeople have been really dopey. Oh, yeah, who was before him? Uh, Jen Psaki. Jen Psaki? Oh, she was a dope, too. She was just a goof. I mean, but you know what? They, they, don't have to, they don't have to be. They know they can put whatever out there, and they're ra- rarely challenged on this stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you push too much, you're just not going to get it, you know, be, be um, they're not going to answer your questions. They're not going to call on you any of that stuff. No. Like, like the girl sitting behind the woman speaking. Did you guys notice no, that? No, what was she doing? Can we play that one more time? Why don't you see this clip again? Look at the girl behind her, especially at the beginning, and, and see what the heck <laughs> she, I don't know what she's thinking about, but I don't think it's about the ruling. The FBI found enough, um, you know, Secretary Clinton's intent or whatever, notwithstanding, um, that generally that there were a lot of officials that they came across in the scope of this investigation, which led them to believe that the culture is not taken as seriously as it could be. Well, I'll let the FBI director <laughs> speak to their findings and recommendations in his investigation. I don't know she's not thinking about what they're talking about. No. Hmm, dinner tonight. I know. I told Steve that we'll... <laughs> Chicken hmm. or fish. Hmm. And, and at one point, I don't know if it was contempt for this guy, for the woman speaking, because she wants her job, Obama, Hillary. She's ticked about something. At some point, it flashes. Yeah. She remembered Steve cheating on her. No, that's a personal thing. No, yeah, definitely a personal right. thing. That's what I got. That <laughs> right? There was something going on. Right, we all have. She had a rough night last night. That's it, that's say. it. Yep, she got the awkward email. I saw Steve last night. What was Karen doing with him, right? I mean, there's something out yeah. there. <laughs> look at that look. Ex-boyfriends <laughs> in a new relationship on Facebook. She's so mad. Yeah, we've all been there. We've had that day, too. Yeah, I want to know. She, she's got to be another reporter, I would guess, right? Yeah, I'm sure. She's not taking feverish notes based on the <laughs> questions. Aren't you also concerned with what the other people ask him? Oh, his response was... Right. She's thinking, I'm quitting after this. I hate I'm her. Done. Look at her in yeah. front of me asking that. That was my question. I was going to answer my that. My boss is such a jerk. Unless she already had written down all the information she needed about his response. Because you, you just write B-S. Yes, yeah. Got it. Okay, B-S. Got it. All right. Now I'm just sitting here waiting. Rest of the day. Hmm. Okay. I guess that's You're being it. far too expressive. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, that, that's right. That's right. That's right. Bring it way down. Yeah. Uh, we need to do a whole series of videos about people that are, like, in the background in press conferences like this. I bet it's gold, Jared. Oh, do you see them all the time, too, at these political rallies, too? And, like, maybe even uh, somebody will say something that doesn't sound right. There was one, too, of Hillary Clinton, <laughs> which said something about uh, protecting women or whatnot. And you see this woman's face like... <laughs> I've seen a couple of them. I think I saw a montage of uh, mm-hmm. people reacting to politicians or something. All right. So let me get a break in here. Doc Thompson, Skip Lacombe, and Hillary Kennedy in for patents too. anybody i was here thinking if it's doc and skip and hillary kennedy filling in for pat and Stu and jeffy today that would make me pat i guess right 
I think so. I, and that would make me stew. Ooh. I'm Jeffy. Ooh. <laughs> oh. oh. I can see the resemblance. Oh, wow. That's that's bad on any standard. Yeah. That's bad for Jeffy to be called Jeffy. Wow, that's really bad. I think you end up with the best... Uh, I'll, t- I'll take it. Yeah, that's that's not okay good for that. any of us, whatever. It, interesting story came out right at the end of uh, the Glenn Beck program when Skip and I were on today that we just heard about it. Um, apparently, there's a cab driver in the Boston area who finds $187,000 in the back of his car and ends up turning the money in. And we see these stories from time to time, people finding large sums of money and turning the money in. Interesting part about this story, um, the people are thankful and give him $100 reward. He then comes out and is like, wow, that seems like a pretty low amount for me returning in $187,000. Is that a low amount? Should they have given him more? Should they? Shouldn't um, they? Have? And here's the deal. I, I do agree with him that, I mean, it seems like that is not a proportionate reward for the, the, the benefit to society in giving $187,000 back to its original owner. Um, so, I mean, if, if I were in the situation of, of, of giving him a reward, I probably would have given him more. But I think the massive fail is that you, I mean, they didn't have to give him anything. So, I mean, you should be okay. thankful to get the, the $100 and to know you're a better person than a lot of people. I agree with that. The guy who left the $187,000 in the cab says he's been homeless. He just inherited this money. So I think in his mind, he was like, I, I need this to live on and to last me a really long time. Sure. So I can't afford to just be dishing out $1,000 or whatever as a thank you. Wait a minute. You're, you're homeless. You don't need $187,000. You can live like seven lifetimes if you're homeless, right? <laughs> right? I mean, if you continue living the homeless lifestyle, if you want to get out of it, sure. But I do you think know. it's highly, I don't, I don't want to say highly suspect, but I think it's highly unusual that okay. a homeless man just inherited $187,000 and he's carrying it around in a backpack okay. and then leaves it in a cab. Because if I was homeless and I just inherited $187,000 and it's in a backpack, I'm holding on. I'm yeah. wearing the backpack on the front like with I, my I arms around I, it. I can't get myself any closer right. to it. Like you want to- yeah. I mean, I would have it like, I would get duct tape and I duct tape it all the way Seriously. around so that nothing happened to it. So the fact that he says he's homeless and then leaves $187,000 in the back of a cab, that seems a little unusual to me. You're right. That's a, that's a big fail. That, well, first of all, if, I, if I'm homeless and I get $187,000, I am no longer homeless. That's step one, right? Right. Okay, maybe step one is get a meal. Step two is no longer be homeless. I mean, that's, that's the reason you have $187,000. That's why you want it. But you're right. Even with my computer, what is my computer? $1,800, two grand, let's say. That isn't even mine. It's the companies that I'm sure if I lost one, I may get a mulligan on and they're like, oh, I can't understand it. But still, even with my computer, I get my computer bag. If I'm traveling with it, that thing does not leave my sight. Mm-hmm. I won't even leave it in the car if I run into Denny's or something because I don't want, you know, somebody to snatch and grab. Yeah. Right. So that's something that really isn't even mine. It's 2000 versus 187000 I don't even know if I would carry it with me. But okay, some people are a little off. Maybe if you're homeless, you're a little off. I still think it's odd that people, anybody would walk around with large sums of money. Well, and, and I want to know specifically, and maybe I'm thinking too much about this, but how did he get that in cash? Because if it was an inheritance, I would imagine there's going to be like an electronic transfer of funds to like a bank well, account. Well, you could, you could get any monies you have in the bank 
No, no, I realize yeah. that, but he actually went and did that. He thought it would be a better idea to keep it safe in his backpack as opposed to the bank. That's a good point. Well, I don't know. I mean, homeless people may not have bank accounts. They may not trust banks or whatever, but yeah, you can. Then how can. did you get that money, I wanted? Well, to you know. would probably get it transferred. You, they'll, they'll probably give you a cashier's check for it, and then you could cash it at, at his, a certain bank. The bank may charge great you. aunt or grandma or could have been a stripper. I don't know. That's right. Maybe they <laughs> left it in one. Absolutely. in the mattress. <laughs> Or her G-string. Yes, we went into your grandma's closet, found $187,000 in one stuffed in three or four G-strings. Like, it was only three or four. She was a large woman, but, you know, people liked it. You know, big is beautiful, too. They're okay with that. The big bone ladies need love, and, uh, you know, plenty of people in that. It was a, a certain type of strip club, oh, catering right. to fetishes and whatnot. It's a different way to bundle the money, though, as opposed to the little rapper, you know. It's got a G-string G-string. Yeah. Okay, I will give you that it is not crazy to think that at times people outside of mobsters would have 10 grand on them okay maybe you're going from the bank to pay your bookie or whatever it is you have 10 grand fine anything out and that's a bit of a stretch anything more stretch on a regular basis if you have it that's a stretch and this goes into whether or not i would turn the money in and my great dilemma i am somebody that is happy to do the right thing. This is this is what I'm compelled to do. If I find something, I'm like, hey, give this to the person. In my mind, I automatically go to it's somebody who really needs the money. It's not like a billionaire who just lost, you know, five hundred dollars or something. It's it's somebody who really needs the money. It's their life savings. So I want to turn this in. So if I find twenty five hundred dollars on the street, I'm like, oh, this person probably needs twenty five hundred. What if they're on vacation and whatever? But if I find one hundred eighty seven thousand dollars stuffed in a backpack. I don't think, hey, it's Skip Lacombe or Hillary Kennedy. They're just wandering around the street with $187,000 that they really need so they're not homeless. I'm thinking drug money. Yeah. And then not only do I want the money, I don't want those scumbags to have it. So I'm like... Maybe I go ahead and keep the thing. <laughs> Although, if it's drug money, there's a, there's a good likelihood that them people are going to be looking for it. Ah, I'm not worried about that. Bring it. <laughs> well, you haven't seen Breaking Bad. I got, I got guns. Well, uh, circumstances. Okay, where did I find the money? Are there cameras around? Is the cabbie, you know what I mean? Well, and that's the whole thing, too, because there's cameras everywhere now. So if mm-hmm. the cabbie hadn't returned it and it had been filmed, that would be a huge ordeal, too. I I don't know that he necessarily oh. deserved a reward for just doing the right thing, because we should all want to do the right thing without having to you know get a pat on the back for it. But... Because there are so many cameras and people are watching and the press gets involved with a story like this, I think the gentleman probably should have given him a little more of an appreciative mm. gift. Just so that it didn't make him look so bad. Because he looks like a total cheapskate. You're now. right. Well, he's completely anonymous, too. The only person whose name we know is this cabbie. cabbie. It's Raymond McCulson. So, so, wait a minute. Um, yeah, you're right, Hillary, because not only do we have the cameras everywhere and social media, I mean, you don't know if some average person on the street snapping a picture or video of you bitching about this or mm-hmm. whatever that goes viral, ends up being shared. But then you also have TV shows like that ABC, John Kenyon. What would you do? What would you do? Yeah. You don't know if you're being tested on this, a, a potential employer. This guy's cab in company could have been testing him to see what he did. You don't know. In today's world, you should be concerned about this, even if you're a scumbag and not thinking about your fellow man mm-hmm. and thinking about yourself do this. And then you're right. To the person who gave him the tip, you don't know if you're being tested. Yeah. Um, should should you expect a greater tip than this? Andrew, our producer, who's going to join us in this program tomorrow as well, said you should just want to do the right thing. Should you return the money for that reason with the expectation of no tip? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I agree with that. However, 
from the person who's giving the reward, not tip, reward, I would think that out of gratitude, you would want to give something more significant. I agree with that as well. So what would you guys do, assuming you have nothing else, this is your life savings, you're, you're poor, you're homeless, whatever, you get out of the cab, you're walking down the street, oh, my $187,000 that I just casually laid on the seat next to me and forgot <laughs> about, oh, this guy gave it back to me. How much would you give him? It's, it's difficult to say with any degree of certainty, but I, I would like to think I'd probably give him like $1,000. Seems like a nice round number. Yeah. Well, I, pl- mm-hmm. I, I always feel like no matter what amount it is, if you give and your motives are pure, that's going to come back to you somewhere down the line. It might not be monetarily, but something good is coming your way. So uh, no mm. matter what he decided to do, I think, even giving the $100, at least it was something. Sure. But you're right, I would have... Yeah, no, he could have given him a 20 you know? The guy got $100. Right, so at least he gave him something. But yeah, I think $1,000 would have been a, a, a nice place to start there. I mean, th- th- that, that, that'll pay for a nice meal with him and his wife, go out and enjoy a nice dinner on yeah. say you did a great thing. This is He's in work. Boston. Okay, we go like a McDonald's or something. <laughs> okay, that's what I'm saying. I'm like... I'm like, $100 in Boston ain't going quite as far as Dayton, Ohio. I'm well, yeah, saying, I mean, you're not you know. going to be eating at a, a, a Michelin star restaurant. You guys got to go to Applebee's or Outback or something. Okay, I'll give you that. Well, so we were talking about this in the break. Let's say you're a, a famous athlete or a celebrity and you go to dinner. Do you feel like tipping 20, 15, 20% is enough? <laughs> Especially if you're a huge star. Let's say you're you know, George Clooney or you're you know, Brad Pitt. Do you think just the, the normal tip that you or I would give is what they should be giving? Or do you think they should have to give more? I would say, and, and I do this, I mean, for what little celebrity we have, if people are like, oh, it's not going to skip from the radio, whatever, um, that it's difficult to even be as critical of service and hold them accountable with the tip than I normally would be if, if I was anonymous. And it's not to be mean. I just think if you're screwing up, if you're whatever, uh, the tip is going to reflect that. I mean, to ensure proper service, fine. Mm-hmm. But it's just going to be, oh, that Doc Thompson, cheapskate, whatever. When I'm really generous about that stuff, you know, I, if you're doing a good job, I'm going to take care of you. But um, I think people wrongly expect you to give more because they perceive you have more. And if you're rich, your money may be completely tied up. Yeah. You may be wealthy on paper, but not in practicality. Right. Well, and oftentimes, I mean, people who are, are financially well-off and wealthy, I mean, have that money because they're, they're frugal with their money true. oftentimes. True, true. Well, and we hear it around here. You'll hear um, in any company, I mean, we hear it around here with Glenn Beck or whatever. It's like, oh, they got money. They can afford to dot, dot, dot. You don't, you don't know what they're going through. You don't know if they're paying off past loans. I mean, extended family members, sickness, illness, whatever. And you see them, oh, they got a big car and whatever. Yeah, is the car mortgaged? Is the house mortgaged? Right. I mean, it's not like they're walking around with $187,000 where they just throw it around <laughs> or whatever. It's not the case. So, well, I do think there is an extreme to it. If you're somebody that makes movies and you know their net worth is $200 million or whatever, you're Tom Hanks, and you're being cheap on something, come on, man. Right. You know, it's a little different. proven cheap. By, by the way, real quickly, back to this cabbie, too, was not the first time he had found large amounts of money, too. About 30 years ago, found ten grand in a briefcase at the airport. Returned that... Didn't get any reward. Okay, all right. Who's finding all the money? What am I doing wrong where I'm not finding... All right, all right. This is it. He needs to buy lottery tickets. <laughs> Doc Thompson and Skip Lollacombe in for Pat and Stew along with Hillary Kennedy today.
So speaking of money, the uh, what was the seventh largest jackpot uh, in history last night at four hundred and fifty some bil- uh, million dollars. Nobody hit it. The Mega Millions going to be even higher. So it'll it'll just go crazy now. Um, Skip, uh, you you put some money on it. I, I know you don't play when when it gets big. Stop it! Not everybody stop has it. Much chance to win, Hillary. You're ready. Uh, I bought ten tickets. For last night's drawing, is this a pool? Didn't win anything. Nope, just me. I mean, I mean they were a dollar ticket, so I, yeah. I spent ten bucks. So what about? Um, I mean, the next week we play again now, or this next drawing? <sighs> I hardly. The only time I ever play a lottery is when the pot's this big. So okay. I, I might spend another ten bucks. Why not? You, yeah, you, you can't win to. if you never play. You're gonna so. pool with and us, since though, right? Somebody does win. So. We could do a pool. I'd be all about okay, it. Good, you guys good, seem trustworthy. All right, good. Right, uh, yeah. <laughs> wow, we've really fooled her. Yeah, Jeffy's not as a pool. Please. Oh, there'll be so much litigation. <laughs> yeah, you'll never see a penny. No, uh, Skip. So why is it you don't play when the jackpot gets higher? No, it's uh, I. I used to work with a guy <laughs> who we were talking about uh, the Powerball one day too, and he makes a claim that you know I never play Powerball when it gets this high because. Your chances of winning are so much lower. So this was on the air. Skip was producing. He was the know-it-all talk. So guy. I stop him, interrupt him in the middle. I'm like, dude, no, that's not how it works. Whether there's one person playing or a trillion people playing, your likelihood of having those numbers drawn are exactly the same. The only thing that goes down is if you do win, you may be more likely to have to share the prize. Right. He could not wrap his head around this concept. We were arguing <laughs> about it for eight minutes on Albuquerque radio. Several people called in and said, "Yeah, you're uh, you're really wrong on that. That's yeah. that's not how it." works. Uh, he could not wrap his head around it, refused to admit he was wrong. But yeah, I made him look like look like quite a fool. Yeah, it, well, I mean, he just would not stop. It's just like, and, and then kept saying to Skip, Skip, you're just embarrassing yourself. Yeah, just no, stop. He, was, he was berating me about it. <laughs> That was one of this my is, favorite Skip stories. This is the same guy, too. At one point, too, I was typing to him a message on the computer. I said to, to segue into something else. I spelled it S-E-G-W-A-Y. Spelled I'd it wrong. never known Segway is S-E-G-U-E or whatever, right. too. Yeah. I mean, he stops the show and does a five-minute rant on how stupid his producer is for not knowing that Segway is spelled differently. Right. And yet like, he blows something, you know, pretty simple and basic yeah. about math. You know, it's all, all numbers. All right, more coming up on this, the Pat and Stu program. Critical of millennials at times, um, and then I had a realization. I had a realization that yeah, millennials are doing some things or have done some things that you're like, wow, how how stupid and ignorant. It's a different generation, and there are some fails based on philosophies. Certainly, that has happened. But I realized everybody goes through some of this stuff when you're young. I mean, I think about the monumental failures I had growing up and as a young adult working in the industry and things I didn't get. So yeah, a whole lot of failures for me. And then I started realizing. Some of the problems you may have with millennials have been taught to them by us, our generation, their parents or whatever. So some of it's not their fault. Yes, there are things they do not get. But in spite of the fact that I have defended millennials recently, I got to really call them out on one thing here. 
I see this petition that was online. Well, the story of a petition that was online that had to do with the dress code. So the way I understand it, and Skip's going to share what this dress code petition was and what happened, what they wrote. A group of interns are at a company. And they look around and they're like, hey, we want the dress code to be changed. Now, they are interns at a company. They're not even employees. So they write a petition up. All the interns, a bunch of them, I think it might have been a 100 or a lot of them anyways, sign the petition and they present it to the management. And the management goes, great, you're all fired. We're, we're not, just get out. We're not going to deal with this or whatever. And they were like, what do you mean? It's a dress code. We should be able to dress whatever. Now, in this, they cited some examples of things that they said were failures, how some people were not held accountable to the dress code, so they should change the dress code. Before Skip shares this with you, isn't that a fail right there? Because just because something is not being enforced doesn't mean you should have it changed or you should be able to do wrong as well. So let's say the dress code is no short skirts. And I see Hillary wearing a short skirt around the blaze. And I'm like, what up? I can't wear a short skirt. So I start wearing a short skirt. That's a fail. I mean, because it's me wearing a skirt. <laughs> yeah, anything, ways, that, yeah. anything that leads to Doc wearing a short skirt. <laughs> right. Anything yeah. should's a fail. But also because two wrongs don't make a right. Mm -hmm. So even if their objection was, hey, there are people not abiding by the dress code, doesn't give them the right to say it. Now, at least they were saying, let's change it. But that's a fail from interns, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, at what point do you stop and go, I'm an intern? I don't technically really work here. I haven't been hired here. And is complaining about something possibly going to hurt my chances of being hired here mm -hmm. I, that would have gone through my mind like don't complain but learn whatever you need to learn go so, home actually, that's why would you begin to be a problem employee to start yes. off yes so you guys are bringing up a really good point because the failures of millennials and again millennials i get what you're going through and you have a lot of crap heaped upon you that you shouldn't have to deal with really honestly i mean the uh, the amount in college loans and some of the things in society you shouldn't have to deal with this crap that's wrong some of this is not your fault i get it but there is a failure, not just in you don't understand your place in this stuff, but you're not even smart enough to say, I'm in it looking for a job, right? Right. It's not even selfish enough to say, okay, let's be smart about this and let's not rock the boat. Well, I, I think part of this even has to deal with the uh, the uh, influx of like social justice warriors even now and trying to to create change and make the world different. And if, if things aren't going the way you feel that you have a right to to demand a change. Can you share the, what they wrote in their petition? Let's hear yeah, some. This was, it's a little bit lengthy, but we'll share it in pieces. Yeah, and this was of the letter that the guy wrote. He says, I was able to get a summer internship at a company that does work in the industry I want to work in after I graduate. Even though the division I was hired to work in doesn't deal with clients or customers, there's still a very strict address code. I thought, hold it, i got to throw a flag in the play right there. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. If the company says, listen, you work at a place where nobody will ever see you, okay? It's you in a bunker by yourself, but the dress code is you wear a chicken suit, like a duck, the Donald Duck suit, like Elton John wore on stage. That's the dress code. Do you want the job? Then that's the damn dress code. Right. Right? Irrelevant. If you own the company, you make the rules. Right. That's it. And if you don't want it, hey, freedom is you don't have to work at the company. Decline, decline the job. Mm -hmm. So... He's justifying it before he even gets there. He's trying to qualify and say, see, we didn't have anybody seeing us. We... That's wrong. Okay, please continue. says, I felt the dress code was overly strict. Um, I wasn't going to say anything until I noticed one of the workers always wore flat shoes that were made from a fabric other than leather or running shoes, even though both of those things were contrary to the dress code. 
Okay, again, two wrongs don't make a right. Just, mm-hmm. just because you see somebody who is not um, uh, uh, being in line with the dress code doesn't mean that you can also break the dress code or that it needs to be changed. Yes, I will make it mm-hmm. less in line. I will add to the problems here. That has nothing to do with this. Now, I will give him credit that he at least didn't just start dressing like that other person, say, I'll break the rule, too. At least they went to the company. I'll give him some credit for that. Right. Yeah, so uh, he, he approached his manager to discuss the issue, too. That didn't go well, so he decided to solicit the help of the other interns. He said, I spoke with my manager about being allowed some leeway under the dress code. I was told that was not possible, despite the other person being allowed to do it. Okay, done. Then you're out, right? Hey, can I do this? And by the way, if you're going to cite, if you're going to say... I want to change the dress code, and you ask your manager. You don't cite Bill wearing, you know, something different or Jane not dressing it. You can't bring that up. That's not your place. That's for a boss to decide, and if they don't see it, then that is not your place. Sorry. Uh, The letter continues, uh, I soon found out many of the other interns felt the same way, and the ones who asked their managers about it were told the same thing. Hold it. Flag on the play. Flag on the play. (laughs) How did you find out the other interns? Were you just walking through the commissary one day and the interns are like, hey, Skip, have you noticed the dress code thing around here? Overly strict. How about you? No. You went out and started bitching to other interns yes. on how old, pre- right? Yes. And it's not a casual reference. You're bitching, right? Yep, absolutely. Well, I think how this is how things like this get started in offices is everybody standing around complaining about I hate wearing this or not being able to wear that. <laughs> right, right. And then they just sort of became their own like... In searches, like, we're going to go in and change everything. When I think it's that sense of entitlement that drives me crazy that, like, I deserve to have my voice heard. Yep. No, you don't. You're an intern. That, and, and you that don't as an employee. Sorry. Right. And that actually is one of the millennial things, too, of saying that their voice must be heard. They must be. Well, you, you have to earn some of that, though. <laughs> Definitely. Well. Right. And that's, that's true of employees. Now, it's nice when companies do. I, I mean, I, as an employer, would hear you and try to do my best. They do around here. I mean, I appreciate, you know, the way I'm treated, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you're entitled to it. It means your company is treating you well. Not all companies would or should. As my, as my buddy Willie used to say, shut your mouth and know your role, mm-hmm. right? Know your role, shut your mouth. What's, yeah. <laughs> right? It's the new, the new phrase is stay in your lane and they needed to stay in their lane. Well, yeah. anybody who's ever seen Glenn's Closet knows, or the show knows there's no uh, dress code here at the Blaze. Yes, that is true. <laughs> the dress code is, well, let's move on. Uh, let's Just see. wear pants. The letter continues, uh, we decided to write a proposal stating why we should be allowed some leeway under the dress code. You- <laughs> <laughs> You're an intern that goes, you know what we'll do? Let's write up a proposal about our dress code. I'm going to educate my manager here on something. <laughs> Ridiculous. I'm going to do this. I, even in my stupid youth. Of the, I mean, folks, I at times, John, I'm sorry. My boss, John Bulmer, I'm sorry. Years ago, in his office, slamming my fist on his desk as a young employee, telling him how wrong things were. I mean, like, I'm like this, banging his desk. Would never have thought of doing this. I mean, that's even trumping Doc Thompson's young arrogance. <laughs> Seriously, you have trumped me. That, that is crazy. Uh, we accompanied the proposal with a petition signed by all of the interns, except for one who declined to sign it. Uh, we gave it to our manager to consider. Our proposal requested we would be allowed to wear running shoes and non-leather flats, as well as sandals, not flip-flops, though. Uh, and other non-dress shoes that would fit in a more business-casual dress code. It was mostly about the footwear, but we also incorporated a request that not have to wear a suit and or blazers in favor of a more casual but professional dress code. So out of 100 interns, there was only one that thought, I really need a job. 
I really want to get hired. Yeah, I mean, well, we don't we don't know what their motivation was. Was it I don't like those people? Maybe they're doing wrong. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe the guy was too lazy. Maybe he was worse than them. That he's even too lazy to sign that. <laughs> I can't believe that they slickered in a hundred people though to go along with this. Only one of them thought that might be a bad idea. They they are in as we said. My voice must be heard, and they have learned this this hive crowd mentality where it's like we'll all get on and force them to whatever. Valuable lesson learned, wasn't it? Yeah. Was that what? Yeah. So so this is how it plays out. That was the letter. Um, the day after the intern submitted the proposal, they got a message saying, "Hey, you know, yeah, why don't you? We have a meeting. Come on, and we'll go and talk about this. Go ahead, go ahead and bring all the interns in together. Yeah, yeah, doc." Also, as a uh, misspent youth and uh, getting in trouble at a few radio stations with employers, when they say, hey, we all need to have this impromptu meeting, generally not good for you. They, they rarely Especially go, an all-staff meeting or all-intern yeah, meeting. all-staff meeting because you're all getting a bonus. No. No. Oh, no. <laughs> go ahead and clean out your desk and be ready so you can be the first one home so you beat the rush out the door. Because it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. I mean... Skip and I had one in Detroit like that. We'll share in a moment. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, they were uh, asked to come in. They said, instead, we were informed due to our unprofessional behavior, we were being let go from our internships. We were told to hand in our ID badges and to gather our things and leave the property as soon as possible. So what were they looking for by this, the, releasing this story? Were they just casually mentioning it? educating all of us. I mean, it was just an interesting story they posted. Do you think that was what it was? I guess, yeah. Well, and it, this was originally posted to a, a blog called Ask a Manager. So I'm oh, assuming okay. after this happened, the guy was saying, hey, is this normal? Should this be bad? I mean, let's talk about it and get some things. I cannot begin to express the number of failures with this. I mean, number one, intern. You know, know, know your role. Um, I, by the way, I have defended interns to the nth degree at my company. I have challenged other employees in some pretty over-the-top HR should have been involved ways for being mean to interns. Because as an intern, if you've never been an intern, you always feel awkward. You really don't belong there because you're not an employee, but you're trying to help. And by the way, I don't know if I'm doing right to help you, and I feel bad that you have to stop and tell me and show me what to do in order to get help. And as a person who has employees working for them, you're like, okay, by the time I slow down and tell you how to do it, then I could just do it myself or whatever. Right. So it's, it's never completely comfortable with interns. Um, but even in spite of that, you're an intern. You have to know your role. Did you see the most egregious part of the story? <clears throat> What's that? The employee that was breaking the rules. Did you hear her story? Mm -mm. Turns out she's actually a former soldier who lost her leg in combat and was allowed to wear different shoes because they were more easy to walk in. Wee, 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 wee. You're talking about the different shoes she was wearing on her prosthetic? Mm-hmm. Wow. Here she is, going barefoot in How here. incredible. She wasn't even wearing footwear on her non-existent legs. Can you imagine that? <laughs> she didn't have yeah, so, so, so they chose her to go ahead and single out a soldier who lost her leg in combat. Say, well, Sally's able to go ahead and wear it on her fake leg. Why can't, why can't I wear them on my real legs? Unbelievable. Wow. Completely unbelievable. I think you have to pick your battles. And for these interns, I mean, if, if they were being bullied at work by a manager, or grossly mistreated, sure. or, or being called some sort of derogatory <laughs> names, that's one thing. But this was just completely unnecessary. Yeah. It's like we put my grandparents, they lived in an assisted living place. Very nice, great food, wonderful people. But my grandfather did not like the food. I'd eaten food, the food was great. But he didn't like the food. So he went around 
around and got all the other people that lived there, all these senior citizens, riled up about the food and demanding that the chef be replaced. Well, not only was the chef not replaced, but my grandparents were asked to leave and had to, had to move out. Yes, and he was replaced. Wow. So no matter what age you are, whether you're a millennial or you know, you're know you a 90-year-old man, sometimes pick your battles. Sometimes it's just not worth it. He had the freedom to still go to McDonald's sure. or wherever he wanted to go. Sometimes you just have to pick is, your battles. Is the food better with him living on the street? Does he get better <laughs> yeah, exactly. food digging out yeah, of the dumpsters? Exactly. Is he homeless now? Is yeah, that... I think he really... My grandmother especially regrets that he oh, decided to, yeah, to get him rioting. Oh, that's, that would be me, though. I'm yeah. going to be honest with you. That's exactly what it um, No, you, you, again, you got to know your role in this. And even an employee, and an intern is you know even less of an employee, even an employee shouldn't be taking part in nonsense like this. No. It also doesn't matter. It's not a hardship if you're asked to wear a uniform. I mean, it's certainly in this capacity. If you were working... You know, the line at a restaurant where it's 187 degrees underneath that hood or something, and they're telling you where park is. Okay, yeah, you have some concerns there, and there's a dress code. These people, this is not some great hardship. You just didn't want to maintain a better dress code. You want to dress like a slob like you do at home, and they didn't want that. So that that's a fail. Yeah. I, have, um, I have challenged people on how they mistreat interns. Um, there, was a, uh, there was a case when I was working in Cleveland at a radio station one time. Uh, of a morning show producer who was always a problem around the office. Everyone knew she was a problem. And there had been some meeting where all the managers came in and they had it catered. And there's a bunch of food left over. So they told all the employees, hey, you know, everybody eat. Go in and, you know, eat the food. There's cold cuts and all kinds of stuff left over. So I get back. Great. And I load up a plate. I walk into my office and there's an intern sitting there. A couple of them sitting there. I was like, hey, there's food down the hall. Go eat. You know, I mean, there's more than enough food for everybody there. You know, yeah. there's plenty left over. So they come back and they're foodless. And I was like, "Is he get any food? And they're like, oh, yeah, well, so-and-so told us, uh, you know, the food was for a meeting whatever. I was like, she knows it's not. Well, she was this control freak about everything. And one of the ways you troll people with food. So I was like, hold on a second. So I stop at the top of the hallway and I call her out on this thing. And I was like, don't drink this or whatever. Go in there and eat or whatever. And this is how I Good was. Good for you. Good for yeah. you. Yeah. Another scenario. I'm working at a same radio station in Cleveland, different facility. The news department. We Everybody got a certain number of newspapers, whatever. I set the interns down to go get our newspaper, whatever. They come back. Newspaperless. This is like five years later. Different people. And I'm like, where's the newspaper? Well, they told us there was only a certain amount, and they were hoarding the newspapers in the newsroom. And I was like... And then they had given them the business about stuff and were just belittling them somehow or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I walked down to the newsroom and there's like a dozen people and they're all, you know, frantically working in the morning. And I stepped to the top of the newsroom and I was like, hey, and the place everybody stops like in a movie or whatever. I was like, who was it that was, you know, going off in the interns or whatever? And I knew who it was. And I called him out. Well, Tom said that whatever. And I was like, you got a problem with the interns. You come to me. Otherwise, shut your pie hole about this. <laughs> and one of the other employees dared to come to us. He was just saying, I don't care what he was doing. And I just went off like Vesuvius on these people. And you know what? We didn't have any other problems with them giving the interns business. This is how you're supposed to treat them. Yeah. But the interns have to know their place and it's not hey you can run amok and do whatever the hell you want absolutely and i really could have used you back in 2001 when i was interning for uh kkpl the planet <laughs> well, and they're, they're uh, we, yeah we have tickets to blues traveler with a punch the intern contest <laughs> oh, wow, a live remote how was that the guy who won was about six foot four about 300 pounds wow <laughs> said okay you know you win you win where did he punch you my arm was do you have any arm problems today 
Uh, a little bit. <laughs> you should do a lawsuit. What's the statute of limitations? I wanted to get into the radio business. Well, yeah, but now after the fact, I'll represent you. I'll represent. I'll go into court and scream on your behalf. Who's got to find a statute of limitations? <laughs> coming That's after you, Buck. I'm coming <laughs> after you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I've, again, also the bad employee, I've done a lot of horrible things and, like I said, didn't understand what bosses go through. Mm-hmm. I have buried the hatchet with the boss at, uh, in recent years that I was pretty horrible to, and he was not a, a great people person or whatever. But I recognized I was demanding all of this stuff stupidly, and I thought, okay, the guy has a radio station, he's loaded or whatever, he was mortgaged to the gills in order to get it. And he was like, hey, you know, I didn't have the best people skills, and thank you for everything you guys did. So, you know, you get a little older, you get a little wiser with this stuff. Right. Have you uh, ever been fired? I've never been fired. Uh, I've been... Have you chose to leave mutually? I, um... (laughs) Because I had a couple of those. Trying to think. uh, Most places I've left on, on pretty good terms. I did leave one job where... They let everybody go because they were downsizing. Okay, so it wasn't. And they cut all of our insurance and all of our benefits oh, before yeah. you know sending us Cobra and you know, whatever it is now. Mm-hmm. But they didn't tell anyone because we were supposed oh, to have that geez. grace period where you still right. have your insurance and can kind of wrap things up. And I made a big stink about that. Yeah. Um, and in some ways, at the time, I felt like this is the right thing to do. We all deserve our benefits until you know the end of sure. the year, whatever it is. But looking back now, I wished I hadn't made such a stink about it. Because your perspective is off, and no one wants to see anybody suffer. You've lost your right. insurance or whatever. And companies, they don't want to. This is what millennials and a lot of these people don't understand. If they downsize, they're not going, ha, 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 another million dollars in my pocket firing right. those people. Yes, they want to keep costs down, profits up. They want to make sure the investors, if it's a company that has investors, are getting a profit. These are all concerns, but they don't want to fire people. They're not no. wanting this. Well, and I was so young when that happened, and I, I think that I felt like, well, they're just, they want to get rid of us, and they, they're saving all this money. <laughs> right, right. And I think that's probably where these interns went wrong. Like, you feel like, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. I'm going about this the right way. I mean, I'm sure when they were writing up this proposal, they thought, we're doing this good thing. That's going to impress them with how we've thought this through, and we've made this presentation. But in reality, I mean, sometimes you've just got to take a step back and go, is this worth it in the long run? Because the world is such a small place. So... The people that are running at that company, running the company now, those interns we're working at, they could be at another job down the line and be hiring where these kids exactly. need a job. So I, I think that was the lesson that I learned. I thought it's not worth ruffling feathers sometimes over something that isn't five years from now going to matter. When they called you together, did they call you down to Skip's Diner? <laughs> no. Does that happen? Did I miss a meal? Did I, did I get fired no, without a no. meal? <laughs> I got fired at Skip's Diner one time, ironically. I'll tell you that story (laughs) coming up next on the Pat and Stu program. Serious? That's the only one? The only one. Your only firing in was tired, tied to me. Yes. The only time you've been fired in your career is tied to me. Absolutely, yeah. Wow. I'm starting to feel a little uncomfortable being here now. No, I, I, well, in, fact, in fact, usually when you're fired, I get a better job. Yeah, you do. That's happened many times, though. So Skid's asking me, okay, how many times you've been fired? I've been fired for the greatest radio stations in America. And I started counting, and I was like, okay, it's just four. Wait a minute, it's five. 
Yay. Oh, no, wait, six. six. I'm up to six. I think it's six. A couple of gray areas, definitively six. Um, yeah, from all over the place. But uh, one of the uh, more interesting ones, um, I was working in uh, Cincinnati at a radio station, and I was fired on my honeymoon. So I was working at multiple stations in different markets, but I could Only do it from... Only happens in radio. Come on. I know. Where I could do both shows from either city, you know, at any given time, and I'd kind of go back and forth. And I go on my honeymoon... And uh, I get a call. Hey, you back in town yet? Oh, so it's like off an entire week. And this is like the Thursday before the Monday I was supposed to go back, right? Hey, you back in town yet? And I'm, yeah, why? That, was a, that, that can only mean one thing. I've been through that enough. They're not calling to go, stop by the station. We got a party for you. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, why? Well, I was wondering if you could stop by. And I was like, are you serious? You are kidding me. This is on my honeymoon. I knew it was coming. He's like, no, 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 come on down. Just meet me downstairs at Skip's Diner. Now, this had been the legend when I got hired there and for the year and a half or whatever I'd worked there, that they would hire fire, fire people downstairs at the diner because they didn't want you coming upstairs to make a stink. I'm not going to make a stink. Are you serious? So You could have made a little bit of a stink, though, let's be honest. But I wouldn't have. That's not my whatever. I, I didn't even say anything when I left about being, in fact, the news, local newspaper slaughtered them That's for right. firing me on my honeymoon or whatever, and I never said a thing. I just moved on. I get it. It didn't work. Even the work. baseball announcer there had your back. He did. He did. The, the local baseball, in the middle of a game, was like, firing a guy on his honeymoon? That's just awful. I mean, just out of nowhere. I mean, he got my back. And I just said, listen, I get it. I wasn't right for the place you didn't want me. I'm fine. I moved on. It ended up being a blessing, and that's great. Still kind of a dirtbag move, but, you know. But I'm like, Siri, and he's like, yeah, just maybe it's Skip Steiner. I was like, are you kidding me? This is like a stereotype now, like a, like a gag. And part of me actually thought that there was going to be a, hey, we all chipped in for a wedding present because it was so stupid. What a great obvious. prank they're trying to pull. Right, because yeah. it was such a prank. And nope, I got in there and they're like, well, you know, and I was like, oh, wow. On your honeymoon. <clears throat> and my wife's sitting next to me and I had a phone. And I go, well, I'm being fired. What are you talking about? They want me to stop in? Are you serious? And I, she's like, well, maybe it's. And I was like, I've done this a few times. It's like that. So ended up quickly getting a job in Detroit. And uh, within a couple months, was on the air in Detroit. Everything worked out beautifully. Hired Skip. We're on the air in Detroit. And within a couple months, Detroit, there. We hey, get, we get that all, email. That all, all staff, staff meeting email. All twelve seventy <clears throat> staff, one o'clock. Yeah, only for our station, not for the other ones in the group. Oh. And I'm like, this is not good. We knew instantly. We we didn't even prep a show that day. We <clears> thought <throat> we were going to be out before the show. And we went to we went to Best Buy, got a uh, a hard drive so we could back up all of our shows. We packed up our desk. We were so we'd have a demo tape, whatever. Packed it up. I'm so like, you guys yeah. were ready. Yeah, That's and smart. To their credit, which all the other markets that they 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 were launching a new sports network. The company was, and so there was one station in each network or market they needed to carry. This programming, ours was going to be it, and I, I just figured it out. So, um, to their credit, every other market, they just blew everybody out. But the local managers believed in what we were doing. Yeah, local uh, managers were actually pretty. She good was to us. wonderful to us. Debbie Kenyon's her name. She treated us very well and kept us on for months while they were trying to find another place for us. And that gave us time to look for jobs and whatever. If it didn't work out, and at the end of the year, she's like, "I'm sorry, guys, it's just it's not going to end up working out." So. Treated, treated us great. Well, but it was nice that they at least tried. Was, that doesn't it, happen very often. It was wonderful. They didn't even do the, we'll pack up your desk and mail you your stuff under security guard. You know, and all this stuff. Get out <laughs> now. You're going to do something. They were pretty much, okay, December 31st, your last show. 
And uh, it's been nice working with you. Everybody went home, and because yeah, we were on in the afternoon, we finished our show and walked out on our own. See you later. I'm always amazed when they give people yeah. a heads up when they work on television or in radio that, yeah. hey, you know, tomorrow's going to be your last show, especially if you're going to be live on the air because they don't know what you're going to say. Well, and only the knuckleheads pull this stupid stuff. It's so bad for your career. And number two, why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you really want to work for people, first of all, if they're treating you badly? If there's somebody that, that has wronged you, what do you fight? Will you wrong me doing me that way? Do you still want to work for them, knowing they're this caliber of people. Right. Number two, it's quite often ratings or some logistical thing that they can't do it. Just take the high road and move on, yeah. you know, about something like that. But there's been some odd circumstances with that. But the fact that it skips diner and that I work with <laughs> Skip here. It's meant to be. I apologize. That's, <laughs> that's a normal. So Skip and I already said, if we ever open a restaurant. It's got to be Skip's Diner. Yeah. Or Skip's House of Flapjacks. Skip. One of the two. <laughs> Skip's Diner, that's the... Yeah, it's uh, only in this business does stuff like that happen. Yeah, yeah. my parents, the factory workers, they didn't have to go through this stuff. They didn't, uh, you know, you were, as long as you were punching that press every day, operating that punch press. Yeah, you, you stayed there the for 40 going, years. You're gone and that's, yeah. They give you an engraved pen. Yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. Your life is complete. Yeah. Right. I mean, as long as the bottom didn't fall out of the industry and they were making, you yeah. know, widgets, you were good to go. That's what happened. I'm just you know? waiting now for Glenn to fire us, though. Is that, of course, that's probably going to happen with something like that. Actually, we ended up here the day after we started. And to talk about how by taking the high road and, you know, being the good employee, it ends up working out. We got the job in Detroit. Because of the guy who also hired us here. He used to work in Detroit, moved on, worked with Glenn, has known Glenn for years. And um, when we left Detroit, he called us the next day and said, we're expanding the radio network, come work for us. Yeah, January 31st was our last show in Detroit. And uh, I'm sorry, December 31st, mm-hmm. last show in Detroit, January 2nd, day after New Year's. We were hired. We were hired. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, that's, I mean, I think that just goes to show if you handle things gracefully, it all works out, you know, for your benefit in the end. Right, exactly. Most of the time. Yeah, most of the time. Well, <laughs> sometimes you're going to get a raw deal. In the end, yeah. it's still you show your character that way. It really matters. I don't think the millennials get that so much. Right. I don't. And again, not even always your fault. You've been taught to be concerned about things like, well, are you a victim today? It's not even the it's not even the award generation. You know, the participation award or trophy generation. That's a little bit of it. It's more the you are a victim or how are you a victim as opposed to get in there and work hard sometimes life gives you some pretty some pretty tough you know things to deal with and you will you will succeed by the way you deal with these the grace by which you deal with well, them. do you guys feel like this generation is being raised to believe that everything needs to be fair whereas yes. i don't know if you were grown, yeah. if you grew up this way but my mom would always say you know life's not fair that's, right. that's just how it is you know and mm-hmm. and sometimes you can't change it and you just have to pick up and move on and it seems like today everyone's expecting everything across the board to be fair. And Absolutely it, right. It just doesn't work that well, way. Well, there's an interesting thing that my parents never even shared with me. My parents said the same thing about life's not fair and things aren't fair. That was usually followed by a slap to the back of the head or something <laughs> like that. You know, but seriously, they'd be like, well, it's not fair. Just I don't care because I said so. I mean, that was these were the answers I got. What they didn't say is that what is, the, what is fair? Who determines what is fair? We all have a different perspective. Fair in the grand scheme, you come out of utero, everybody has this amount of money in this house and blah, blah. Even within that, not everybody's going to live the same Mm -hmm. length of time. Some people are going to get diseased, tall, short, fat, thin. There is no fair. There is no way by any metric we could be fair in in the manner that they mean it. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just no way. The only fair is 
work hard and people will not infringe your rights. I mean, that's to protect rights. That's it. That's all you got. Yeah. What is fair, Skip? Uh, life certainly isn't fair. Right. I, I, like you said, I mean, you have to get over that. So, but yeah, I definitely do believe that millennials these days are being groomed. I mean, it's the same type of thing with the, uh, it's the wussification of society that I do too, with like participation trophies and everybody is all equal, unique snowflakes. Right. It's just not the case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by, by the way, you may not be the unique snowflake. Seriously. You might be the loser of the crew. You, 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 <laughs> seriously, not every kid's guy well, or I'm, parent's I'm, kid is a Attractive and the best athlete. We know this. Some of you, some of our kids are dumb. Well, it's the same thing too of, <laughs> they uh, are. of, this, of this narrative that all these kids have to go to college. All kids, everybody needs to go to college. You know, the world no. needs plumbers. We need electricians. Yes. Not everybody is cut ditch out for diggers. College. Everything. I, yeah, I love hearing Mike Rowe talk about that. How you know, if you have a trade, you can be much more successful and make more money than people who have. You know, their master's degree, their doctorate, whatever it is. If you're good at your trade, and there's no shame in it. Absolutely. And by the way, there's we no shame that. in saying your kid is the ugly or dumb or whatever kid. Some of us are this. Not that you would be treated poorly as a human being. It's just stop pretending your kid is something they're not. Because the rest of us are forced to go, oh, okay. Oh, Johnny is not all that. All right. Uh, it's Doc Thompson at Skip Lacombe in for Pat and Stu with Hillary Kennedy in for Jeffy. You're Jeffy today. Yeah, just, uh, I'm, I'm all right with that. Yeah. I like Jeffy. <laughs> wow. Olympics is just a month away, 31 days away, the Olympics rolling into Rio. Uh, you've got uh, polluted beaches. We have dead bodies washing up on beaches. Zika virus. Rio, the city, and Rio de Janeiro, the state, as well as Brazil, running out of money for the Olympics. And now they say, if you go there, you're on your own because there's not enough police protection. This is going to be bad. This is going to be a, a spectacle Wonderful. to see. I may actually watch the Olympics. In, 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 <laughs> no, because I want to see the train wreck. I mean, it passed. Okay. Michael Phelps is going to win. You want to feel good about America? Hooray. You won. Great. You know, just little events here and there. But I'll start to finish. I'll, I'll be all over this if it starts failing. My favorite thing that they've shown lately in the media <clears throat> is the picture of all the police at the airport holding that sign that says, yeah. Welcome to Hell. Yeah. Explain what this so was. This about this was their um, like retaliation for not being paid? Yes. So the police and the firemen have not been paid. There, there was all this overtime that they haven't been paid for for months, sometimes years in some cases. And so they finally were like, we're not helping anybody until you pay us. So they said, you know, when you come into Rio, you're, at, you're here at your own risk because you're not going to be protected. If something happens, the police are saying, we're not helping you. So It's incredible. I was watching a, a special on it the other day, too, and uh, they've got um, these like sound barrier walls basically along the highway of all the uh, poor areas of town. So on the uh, path that takes you from the airport to Rio and the areas in which the competitions are going to be held, there's a bunch of slums like all around there, really, really <laughs> poor, poor areas, that they built and, and, a, a sound wall to go ahead and keep the sound Oh, to out. keep the sound to out. Keep the sound it's just out. to make sure that people don't hear the sound yeah, it, or are bothered by all the 
cars. Yeah, these are people that don't mm. have food, and the government was so concerned about them the being bothered by uh, the sound. Walls. You, you, is there any other reason? Maybe it wasn't about the sound. Let me think. What could it be? Uh, <laughs> they didn't want visitors to see to the slums. See the sl- because this is not America slums. No, these are this very, is South America slums. Very right. bad, poor areas. Right. Though. This is people who are literally starving on dirt floors. This is what this is. So they've got that like 13 foot wall they've constructed along the entire highway. 13 feet high. I, I don't know <laughs> how tall yeah. it is, but um, uh, there is one part of it that is uh, is glass and you can see through. It's the one nice new school they have in the area. Oh well, it, it, they, the school probably needs light coming in from. They don't want the shadow of the. No, you, you can wall. see the, you can see the nice school that they built. The one yeah, nice they want the light area. coming one in. Nice it has nothing thing. to do with seeing yeah. it. Wow, that's Just horrible though. This is this is such a failure. Why? I mean, hey, it's the the Olympics Palau, Botswana Olympics, right? I mean, <laughs> Rio. As soon as they announced that, I went. This is a fail. Think about the history of Brazil. What does everybody know about traveling the world? Brazil equals danger. For Americans especially, Brazil is dangerous. Now, can you go there and be safe? Sure, it can happen. But you've got to know, if you look at the most dangerous places to go in in the world as an American, the first tier is your outright um, North Korea, Iran, stuff like this, place Mm -hmm. like this. And on that second tier down is Brazil. It is dangerous. The kidnap I mean, it's just standard. They see Americans get off the bus and they're like, hey, we're going to hold you for ransom. Might as well be wearing a bullseye. That's it. And they look for those stereotypical American things. Hey, I'm a middle-aged guy wearing uh, faded jeans and uh, white New Balance shoes. <laughs> Am I right? Is that pretty it? American there. The American. No, it's also a huge, uh, a huge hotbed of, uh, of uh, sex slaves, too. And they, uh, they get young girls out of the airport, too, and, and capture them, and they're never seen again. So this is the place they pick to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at Brazil, the poverty... And the pollution in the waterways, the bays, the rivers and whatever, is outrageous. And this has been going on to the point that when the Olympic Committee went there, they said, we'll clean all that up within time. We'll we'll make sure that's cleaned up. They promised to build seven water treatment facilities that would keep this pollution from dumping into the waterways, some of which are going to be used for the Olympic competitions. They have built one. Wow, but... Out of seven that they need. I did hear that the rowing teams will have some super special wetsuits that they can wear to protect them from all the infested water. Does the wetsuit transport them to another facility (laughs) like in America? Because if it doesn't, good, good. Wow, okay. And we saw some of the failures out of the Sochi games, too, with um, uh, uh, issues with, like, the water not working at the hotels. In the hotels. Yeah, I mean, to hear the type of stories we're getting out of Rio now, too, of, I mean, dead bodies washing up where the beach volleyball competitions is going to happen. Right. Really, really troubling. And there's a bunch of athletes, too, who have said they're not going to go. But yeah, b- body, body parts, parts, not a full yeah. body. But, yeah, it's disturbing. Okay, and if everything else was perfect, they've got Zika to worry about. I mean, it's going to be a, a significant problem by itself. Then on top of that, you've got these other problems. I saw one of them about the pollution in the water. The waters are so polluted. I'm going to try to get this right. They said that if a person swims in there and has any, uh, has two, I think it might have been three teaspoons or tablespoons. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say it was three tablespoons of water ingested. There is a 99% chance that they will contract one of the diseases from the bacteria that is floating out there. That's incredible. I mean, you don't think as a swimmer that you're going to get water. I mean, it's not Mm -hmm. like you're gulping the stuff, but your your mouth gets wet. 
You can't help it, but you ingest some of this stuff. I mean, if you're an athlete, are you going to go? Are you going to participate? This is what you've waited for. It's the Olympics. Well, I think with the Zika virus, what was interesting is they, they did get the first ever mosquito repellent sponsor for the Olympics. So I, b- wow. I believe it's off. I could be wrong, but I, I believe it was off. So they're saying people are protected. There were 7,000 athletes that participated in like kind of the, the pregame uh, festivities. Nobody has, has contracted anything that they know of. They're saying it's totally safe. The chances are super slim. But if you're an athlete and you want to have a family, if you're concerned about, yeah. you know, I don't know that you would go. Well, and the other problem is, and I was talking, our buddy Michael Pelka at Stunt Brain on Twitter, because he's our Stunt Brain, has done a ton of research on this. He's fascinated by the, the viruses like this. Mm-hmm. He is very knowledgeable. So I asked him, I said, Mike, I said, so what's the problem with the Zika? I've read some stuff, but give me, give, I said, I know that your offspring, it can be transmitted between people, but mm-hmm. if you have kids, they'll have that weird, small head, horrible thing. He goes, yes, he goes, but... For the people that have it, the adults that have it, he goes, they don't know the full effects. He goes, and he gave me some examples. I can't remember what the diseases are that you likely will contract down the road a piece. So you go, I got Zika, but I'm not having kids. I'm cool. For now, you may contract and likely will contract some other disease in relation to this down the road five, ten years. Right. I heard it was a trigger for something <clears throat> called Guillain-Barre. That's, that's it. Right. Where that can lead to paralysis or even death. And mm-hmm. that's that's scary. That, you know, you might think, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm not, I'm not worried about having kids. And then, I'll, you know, all of a sudden one day you wake up and you can't walk. Right. You can't use your arms. Yeah, Would you go? Um, I think, I mean, first of all, if this is something that you've, you've practiced for for 10, 15 years of your life, maybe. It depends on the circumstances. First of all, what is my competition? Am I in the water? Am I in this? Okay. Am I in the water in a pool in an enclosed environment? Am I rowing out there in the sludge? Mm-hmm. Okay, those are very different. I'm probably not doing that. If I'm at a, uh, a more of an indoor event or a track event where I'm not by the water as much, maybe. Do I have the mosquito repellent? You know what I mean? So it depends on the event and what type of, what type of facility I'm going to be in, possibly. Now, Skip, if your significant other didn't want you to go... How much would that sway whether or not you went? Because if you thought, I'd be fine. That would be an important factor. I mean, if if I felt that I was going to go, it felt I'll be safe. But my my wife was like, you know, honey, I don't think. I would would definitely take that into consideration. Yeah. I think that would be a tough one because there were a couple of athletes that said, you know, I'm not so worried about it, but my wife and I aren't done having children or whatever it is. Or a lot of them, uh, one of them already had a wife that was pregnant. But let's say he gets Zika. They still don't know, even if she's far along in the pregnancy, how that will affect the baby. Yeah. So there's just wow. so many unknowns. You That's... are so nice. You are so nice to say, Skip, your significant other. Wow. So optimistic and nice. Wow. I mean, both nice now and optimistic for the future, whatever. See so. how it is. See how it is. <laughs> if you're just as optimistic, that's skipattheblaze.com. Yeah, Sorry. Thank you. All thank right, I'm going to break in here. It's Doc and Skip and Hillary Kennedy in for Patents Do Today. Even for prostitutes in uh, in Rio, 
incredibly. Prostitutes in Rio are, uh, you know, they're gearing up for the Olympics, too. Oh, man. I would think all the so. tourists out I mean, there. All businesses know. out there, I think, are probably trying to prepare themselves and get ready for the Olympics. They've uh, put out some uh, some flyers. You know, here you go. This is what it's like a menu card, you know. It's like the Vegas Strip over there. Right, exactly. Uh, the One of the leaflets says that 30 minutes of sex is 40 reels, which is nine pounds. So nine pounds is roughly 15 bucks? Something like that. That seems like they're giving <laughs> a lot of discounts out. Wow. That's, I mean, the... I, I would think, if anything, you don't need discounts when you've got that many people. That's when the price goes. So is this the increased price? You know, you get discounts when there's not a lot of people. Well, I mean, maybe there's uh, there's just a large number of <clears throat> prostitutes in Brazil. They have to keep it down to oh, greater competition, competition could yeah. be as well. I hadn't thought about that or whatever. So, uh, wow, this is just so disturbing to me that any of these major competitions, um, even the Super Bowl, we got to ship in more prostitutes. Right. Isn't that just so lowbrow? I mean, oh, isn't totally. that, aren't we just, huh? No, uh, totally lowbrow. Yeah, like you said, you said the Super Bowl. In fact, uh, there was a story, too, about the BET Award. The same thing happened. <laughs> no, no, I swear, <laughs> there was they're a story. Of prostitutes that, yeah, they, they brought in a whole bunch of prostitutes for the BET Awards. Wow. Well, the whole thing is, if you're in, or, if strippers, you're in Rio, strippers. I mean, you always have the concerns about contracting some sort of STD if you're engaging in now activity Zika, with a prostitute. Right? Exactly. I mean, you bring home chlamydia and Zika. That's not good. Although, you know, HIV, Zika, I'm thinking maybe if they've already rolled the dice for these other things, Zika's probably just <laughs> one more, you know. Yeah. I can imagine the prostitute going, listen, honey, I'll, uh, I'll face gonorrhea and syphilis. My nose is already out of shape. You know, I'll deal with the potential for HIV, but Zika, hell no. I'm giving up the trade. <laughs> Hold on, is that a right. is that a mosquito bite? Yeah, I don't know That's if right. I can. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to check you out. <laughs> you're have Make to sure away. you're clean or whatever. I <laughs> but you're right. I mean, actually, this shows you how horrible. is. I mean, how many people in their right frame of mind, likely there would be some in the world, but how many people in their right frame of mind, given the opportunity, full knowledge at birth of what their life could or would be, goes, eh, prostitute. I think I want to be a prostitute. Most of these people here are suffering uh, a life of poverty and became a prostitute. Mm-hmm. And it, it, just imagine their lives. And they're probably excited about this. 31 days, the Johns are coming. I'm going to make some do-re-mi. Well, this that is, is this sad. Is well, yeah, because I think most of them don't don't have access to an education. Maybe they come from families where they didn't have parents or didn't have opportunities. And this is, I mean, it's the world's oldest profession. If that's, right. if that's the only way you feel like you can make money, that's a horrible cycle to get into. Yeah. And then at what point are you out of commission? I mean, at what age oh, yeah. can you not prostitute any longer? You mean from my perspective? <laughs> they're out of commission pretty, uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty if you're pushing, on. if you're over 30, I'll just go to somebody 25. Oh, no. I mean, they're out there, whatever, competition. The free market dictates in Doc Thompson's book, you're out of commission. <laughs> and maybe about 30, 35, that's I pushing I don't know, with, with some fetishy type people out there, there may be someone who's into that. Oh, yeah, the freaks out there, the, you know, like the granny sex or something oh. like that, sure. Oh. No, I, I see what you're saying, though. I mean, what is your, your life like in all of this, right? I mean, right. you're right. You're, you're still turning tricks. You're 50. You're going, well, I got to make some money. And this is your option. Right. And we joke about this stuff, but this is, this is some people's lives. And the way out of it is 
economic stability. Mm-hmm. And then the, the people that are sef- sex trafficked because of this. Well, I'm kind of surprised you take that take, actually. What's that? Because uh, uh, I mean, you're always big on entrepreneurs and starting your own business. Well, and- no, and I will, <laughs> no, and I will say this. There are some people that are fine with this. They're, they're fine and would choose that life. I think it's very few people. But and, no. and if you're okay with this and if somebody is willing to pay you for it, I have no problem in that. I think that's your right to decide what you do with you or your body and hiring somebody. I'm fine with that as long as... You weren't forced into this. Right. And that's the difference. And a lot of people, even if they're not directly forced, it is because of their situation. Mm-hmm. So, Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Skip and I will be back tomorrow. Sadly, Hillary will not be with us. So if you want more on her, it's Hillary Kennedy, at Hillary Kennedy on Twitter. Remember, one L and Hillary, right? Very good, yes. Okay, very good. Got that right. We'll be back with uh, somebody else tomorrow. I don't know. <laughs> but in the meantime, if you want to follow Skip, it's at Skip Lacombe. Please follow him. It's uh, at Doc Thompson Show. I'll be guest hosting for Glenn Beck's television show tonight on the Blaze Television Network. So thanks so much for joining us. Doc Thompson, Skip, and Hillary, have a great day.